restoring lost purity. The things I'm going to talk about tonight are, are um, really, we want to give the glory to, to God for how he changes life. And I pray above everything that I mention and talk about, I hope you guys understand that God, through his divine grace and gift to me, that he's given to me, that is what's changed my life not any act of me there's not it's not me saying I'm going to change my life and a lot of people in this world do that every day I'm not going to cuss anymore dude I'm just not going to cuss I didn't change by by any law of saying I'm not going to cuss anymore today it wasn't any of that it's it's been absolutely a gift from God a, gift, a free gift of God that has changed my life and my wife's life. Um, there's nothing I could tell you that I did. Man, it was God's gift to me. There's only one thing I sought, and that was my treasure. I sought the treasure, man. Now, I've never done anything halfway in my life. When I was a kid and I played guitar, I didn't want to be an average guitar player, man. I didn't want to be like everybody else. You know, and you might be out there going, man, I don't want to be like everybody else either. And man, when I learned about Jesus, man, I pursued him with all my heart. I pursued my treasure with everything. I didn't want to be a half-way, half-baked, lukewarm Christian. There's plenty of those in the world, isn't there? How, there's a ton of lukewarm Christians out there, isn't there? How many Christians do you guys know? A lot, right? How many are living for the Lord? Not a lot, <laughs> right? So how many lukewarm, you know, half-baked, wishy-washy Christians are there? See, there's a ton, man. I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be halfway at anything, you know? Would you lift weights halfway? Would you go to the gym and just go, you know what, I'm going to kind of do it halfway. I'm just going to be a halfway bench presser. I'm going to get on the bench. I'm just going to do it halfway. You know what I mean? What, why not? I mean, if all the way is good... And halfway's got to be 50%. Now, when you guys go to the gym, or if you go to the gym, or if you're at school, do you never see someone just go, eh, eh. And if you do, eh, eh, right? And we see that on push-ups all the time, right? Where someone's a halfway push-up guy. You know, he's just like, he's like, eh, eh, and you're like, dude, that ain't a push-up. Right? I mean, you're like, dude, you have to go down all the way. You know, you got you know, you to go all the way, right? Well, in order to get strong, you got to go all the way. you got to. God, you can't, there's no halfway in this. And let me tell you, there's no such thing as halfway Christianity. There's no such thing as halfway Christianity. I cannot find in the Bible where, you, you know, you go halfway and, and there's a, a, a right on. You're going halfway. You know what I mean? So I, I've, always sought, I've always wanted to seek the treasure with all my heart. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't have problems. Man, I had a ton of problems. And I kind of want to share with you guys just and be really frank with you guys, just really open. Let me just make sure, um, I just want to rate this, you know what I mean? So like as in, you know, NC-17 or <laughs> R-rated or, you know. But how many uh, 12-year-olds I got in the house tonight? 12-year-old, okay, we got some young kids. How many, 13? Okay, 14. Okay, 15? Okay, 16? Okay, you really need to hear this. 
17. <laughs> okay, man. Okay, so, so I'm like, <laughs> wait, like her I looked at and I went, okay. And then I turned this way and I'm like, But me and so, uh, thank you for letting me know your age, because um, that's important. And you know, I've been in youth ministry a long time, and I tell you, sensitivity—I'm um, sensitive to just the ages and stuff like that. And um, me and my wife Sylvia, we both come from a background. Me and Sylvia grew up since we were seven years old out in uh, Ventura County. We've known each other that long. I lived four houses down from my wife. Um, I thought you guys would like to know that. Um, we weren't sweethearts. Don't think that. Don't think, oh, that's great. <laughs> I always thought she was fine, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, and I always was like, man, I just totally dig still. Now, my background is absolutely bad. <laughs> um, I lived uh, as a kid in North Hollywood. My, if you know anything about the San Fernando Valley, it's known for something. It's known... Um, for um, in the area that we're talking about tonight, it's talk. It, it, it's totally known for its pornography industry. And my dad worked in the porn industry as a porn book editor as I was a kid. And um, so I was around pornography from the time I was a little kid. I mean, I can remember my littlest memories. Um, of looking at pornography and watching it on on movies and stuff like that. And I know that's absolutely sick. And you guys go, oh, man, dude, that's like nasty as can be. But um, I'm sure just saying that word pornography has hit some hearts already in this place. (laughs) And and that's why I want to talk about it. But uh, that's kind of my background. Um, and uh, me and Sylvia was a two-time runaway girl from her house, very, um, uh, you know, had to be restored in her purity. I had to be restored in my purity. Um, Growing up, we had very bad examples of purity, Um, and what I mean by purity is relationships and entering into sexual behavior um, that is apart from the revealed Word of God. And the recommendations from, not recommendations, but commands from God's revelation to us. And whenever you step out of si- outside of that revelation of God, you open yourself up to a treasure that is, man, it's a bad treasure. It sure looks good, and it can sure feel good for a time, but that treasure is not treasure at all. There's major consequences with that treasure. You know, me and Sylvia's had a battle through those consequences in our own life. You know, there's a lot of, there's, there was a lot of hate and anger in me for years for my parents, for things that I was subjected to. And I had babysitters when I was a kid, and they were homosexual babysitters, and that's who watched me, two guys who were lovers. That was my babysitters. <laughs> I want to say that as a pastor, and, and this is even more intimate with you guys, that even as a pastor... And I've struggled with pornography. And I want to tell you that. 50% of all pastors are involved in pornography. So it's not just something, uh, the impurity of being involved in a relationship intimately or 
um, lustful behavior towards pornography. It doesn't just affect, you know, young people or it affects people in the church. You know, those are the consequences I've had to deal with my whole life is this issue of impurity. It's something I've had a battle. And at times I felt like I was on the ropes, man. I felt like I was getting pounded, you know, by this sin. And, but I can tell you, man, there's nothing like victory. There is nothing like victory in Christ, you know, and seeing Christ overcome it in our lives. And me and Syl have been married 15 years, man, and it's, it's incredible. We have a wonderful relationship. I tell our youth group all the time, man, I just pray that you guys would have a relationship like we do. We've, just, we've had a blessed relationship over our years, and we've had to learn some hard lessons, but um, God's really been there for us, and it's been a really an awesome trip, that's for sure. I want to. I want you guys just to, before we dive into the word. I just want to read some stuff off to you, and I'm going to talk a lot about um, impurity, uh, um, and I'm going to talk a lot about pornography. And the reason why is because not that, not that I don't mean that you guys um, that we shouldn't be engaging in physical activity with the, um, you know, with someone. Um, and I don't want, just because I'm, I'm, I focus a little bit on pornography, I don't want you to think that I'm not talking about, you know, in a dating relationship or a, a physical contact, kissing and all that. Um, the reason why I'm, I'm talking a lot with pornography, because that is um, a huge thing with this culture. It was a huge thing kind of in, uh, in my culture, but even with you guys, it's gigantic. Um, and I just want to, and I want to talk about that. So is it okay? Am I being too frank with you guys right now? Are you guys okay? Is everybody feeling a little weird? <laughs> okay. Because, you know, if you, if, you, if you go like, whoa, this is a little intense for me, and I just, you know, I don't know if I, I'm, you know, it's okay if you just get up, take a break, go get, go get some water or something, and maybe one of the leaders can assist you and talk to you about it, you know, or something like that. But um, I just want to read some stuff. For you, um, the adult industry, pornography um, worldwide is a 57 billion dollar industry. Okay, it's a 57 billion dollar industry. That's that's th- this is a stat from probably 2004. So it's probably a lot more than that. But I'm just gonna we're gonna be on the conservative side and just say it's 57 billion. Okay, and that's bigger. Just to give you a perspective, it's bigger than um, baseball franchise, basketball franchise, and football franchise put together. Okay, so it's it makes more money than if you put all the NFL, all the NBA, all the Major League Baseball, all of their earnings, all the money that those and they make a lot of money. It's more than that, okay? It's a gigantic industry, okay? It's just huge, okay? Um, just to give you an idea of some of the craziness of, of what's going on with your life or what's kind of coming at you from this world, um, Hollywood produces 400 films a year, okay? 400 films a year Hollywood puts out. The porn industry puts out 11,000 a year. So that's a lot more than 400, okay? 
And the reason why I bring it up so much to you guys is, um, in, as teens is because about 90% of teens your guys' age view porn today. Okay? 90%. So if we went around this room right now and we were going to get really downright honest, I mean to the nitty gritty, and we were just going to say, you know what? Let's see what you've seen on the internet and let's talk about it. You know, let's go through it. If I went through this list right now, if I go, we just start right here and we just start going down, and I just say, hey, have you seen porn on the internet? And if you say no, and you say no, and you say no, and you say no, and you say no, I already know you guys have lied. No, 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 no. I, I'd be like, man, okay, we got to work on Exodus 20 right now and <laughs> just go over the commandments of God, you know. But it's 90% have seen it. And sometimes it's just, you know, you type in a word and hit hit whatever and there you go, but you've seen it, you know. Um, let me try to say um, 50% of all Christian homes say that pornography is a major problem in their home. 50%, half of all Christian families say that pornography is a major deal in their home. It's kind of interesting. This is an interesting one for men. Promise keeper men who viewed pornography in the last week, 53%. Over half. You know, is that crazy or what? I want to throw out a stat to you that's kind of crazy now. 12% of all the websites, in when you turn on your computer and you're on the Internet, 12% of the websites in the world are porn. And again, that's a, that's a real low-ball figure. It's probably more around 20 in today's world, right now in 2008. But when these stats were out, it was actually 12%. That means when you turn on your computer, man, you're already at a war, okay? You're already in battle, man, with 4.2 million pages. <laughs> that's a lot of pages, huh? It's important that you guys, we learn how to shrink that number. If you don't shrink that number, man, you'll, it's going to be hard to win this battle. See, in my day, even when I was younger, in order to, to lose purity in my day, you, it wasn't, you, you couldn't stay home and just get on the Internet. You had to go out of your house. You had to go somewhere. You had to have a girlfriend. You know, to lose your purity. That's how it was. You had to be in a dating relationship, you know. Or you had, you know, or there had to be magazines or something like that or a movie. Well, today, when you turn on that computer, you already have 12% of the websites that are porn. You already have 4.2 million pages that are pornography. And today, and what I feel for you guys is you don't have to go anywhere, do you, to lose purity. You know, you guys can lose it simply just by clicking a button on the Internet, and, and there you go, you know. How many of you guys have stumbled across stuff that you know, man, that, man, that's just wrong? Is anybody here in this room? Nobody? Nobody? Yeah. 
But I'm t how about internet? Has anybody here? Any man? There's a lot of people that don't want to raise their hands, huh? They're like, uh-uh, nah, no. How many of you guys have MySpace accounts? Okay, so some of you have that. And there's there's stuff on MySpace that would be considered soft pornography. You know, that would be considered very lustful material. You know, things where you can definitely learn your lose purity. Now, let, let's go over the word a little bit, and I just want to share, and I just wanted to bring those up, those figures up, just so you know that, man, it's a, <clears throat> it's a huge deal. You know, it's a huge problem. Um, I am part of a, uh, a ministry that actually mentors men from all over the world, not only men, but teens from all over the world. I have, I have 20 students on a rotation all the time that go through a 60-day purity course in the Bible online. And I have guys that are 16 uh, in South Africa. I have guys in Australia, guys in Britain, all over the place that are struggling with this. So you got to understand that if most of the websites that, and that's the percentage that's taken up the websites, then obviously we're going to have a problem. You know, um, if you guys can, can you guys turn with me to in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter three. And there's a, a passage here, that, and before we read it, let's pray and just ask God to uh, make alive our hearts once again to his word. So let's pray. Father, we just want to uh, ask you right now that you would make our hearts alive to your word as we read it. In Jesus' name, amen. It says in chapter 3, do you guys know where that's at, Colossians? Does everybody kind of know where that's at in your Bible? That's kind of with me. Some of you don't have your Bible. Ooh, busted. We're going to have to do push-ups right now. We're going to stop the whole thing. <laughs> but let me, let me look at, let's look at verse 5. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. What is, what is, why is, man, why is lust and, falling into impurity so bad, why is it, why is it wrong? What does this passage tell us that, that says of why it's bad? It's, it has this list that tells us to put to death. And when you put something to death, what does that mean? Dude, yeah, it's, you know, it's, that's good. I like that. It's gone. I wouldn't say forever, but it is definitely gone. Um, yeah, someone else said something. Kill it. Put it to death. Definitely take care of it. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, which is uh, a word that we get uh, pornography from. The word in the Greek here is pornea. And so that's where we get the term in the English, pornography. It says impurity, then it says lust, and then evil desires and greed. And then it says something, and I want you guys to grab what it says at the end of this. What does it say? Which is what? Okay, which is idolatry? Okay, let's go back to the Ten Commandments real quick, since we, we did already mention that. Exodus chapter 20, what's the first commandment? I mean, I mean, if you're God, man, and you're talking to Moses, what would be the first thing that you'd want the people not to do? If you were really God, I mean, what would be the first thing that you'd not want them to do? 
What? Honor, honor God. Yeah, you'd want to honor. What do you What do you think? Right on, man. You wouldn't. Want, I mean, if you were the Lord, man, wouldn't you? And you, I mean, you have a passion for people. These are people you created, the earth and all that is in it. The first thing he'd put on that list is, man, don't go to anything else. Man, nothing else is going to satisfy you. Nothing at all is going to satisfy you other than me. And that's what he says. He says, man, you know, there have no other gods before me. So what does the passage in Colossians say about impurity and lust and sexual immorality and, and that kind of thing? Why does God want us to avoid it? What does it say? Because what? It is? It is idolatry. Uh, and we got to just say it, okay? we got to just be really clear and just say that. It is idolatry, okay? If I'm lusting in my heart, it is idolatry. I have another treasure other than Jesus. And Jesus says, man, when you find me, it's like going into a field. And, man, when you find the treasure, man, it is the most precious thing in the world. You, nothing, nothing would get in the way of this treasure, Nothing at all. You would sell everything. And it says with joy you would sell everything. When you find Jesus, man, there is a joy in your heart, man, that nothing can, nothing can replace. But when we do try to replace it, and a lot of people do replace Jesus with lust. Now this, on your level, what that means is this. If you are in a dating relationship, and that relationship is a treasure to you. If that dating relationship becomes a treasure, then you need to put it to death. Meaning you have to say bye-bye. It's getting in the way of my treasure, man, my joy. Me and Sylvia had to do this, man. We dated two years, and you know, and, and she, I think she thought I was just the best thing since, yeah, I don't know. You know? <laughs> but, you know, she was digging my scene. You know, and I was cool with that. I was really cool with that. You know, and I was a typical guy. I was kind of like, yeah, you know, you know, okay, baby, you know, whatever. <laughs> and you know, I tried to do act the whole part and stuff like that. And man, I was trying to serve the Lord, but man, there was she was being a treasure. She was coming into my life. She was a treasure. I was holding my friends as a treasure. All these different things were be- becoming a treasure to me. And and Jesus says you can't serve two masters. And I knew he said that. He said you can't serve two. Either you'll love the one and hate the other. He didn't say you'll love one and kind of like the other one too. He said, no, you're going to hate one. Meaning if you, if you turn away from me, you're going to get to a place where you're going to hate me. And man, that freaked me out a bit. And again, Jesus was my treasure, my first love. Man, I was so stoked what he did. You know, through his grace and his love in my life, boy, it changed my whole outlook on the world and everything. It just blew me away, the hope that was found in Jesus Christ. My sins were paid for. We're dating, and, and I knew this was going on in my heart. I knew that she was becoming a treasure to me. And my life was just uh, getting to be a wreck. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out anything anymore. I didn't know how to manage life anymore as a teenager. I thought, I thought I was doing pretty good for a while there. You know, and then things got really unmanageable. Uh, you know, she was, I couldn't control her, I couldn't control my parents, couldn't control anything. It seemed like everything was against me. Have you ever felt like that? Just like, man, things ain't going my way, you know? And uh, God spoke to me. 
And God speaks so many times just as you seek your treasure. And I hope you guys know that. You know, if you ever not hear from God, how many of you guys like go, man, I just haven't heard from God? If you haven't heard, it's probably because you haven't sought. See, Jesus said something really cool. He said, ask and you shall. Seek and you shall. Knock and the door will be. And you have not because you ask not. So if you haven't, it's probably because you haven't asked. You got to ask, man. You got to seek. I sought the Lord. Dude, my life was a mess again. Sought the Lord. Got on my knees. Cried, man, with vehement cries. I'm not talking about like a little tear. I'm talking about, ooh, like bawling, you know, and just seeking God. God, talk to me. Speak to me. You know, other treasures are getting in the way of you. Say, whatever it is, Lord, you know, whatever it is, I'll do. I'll move whatever. Got a call a week later from my second father. I got three fathers. My second father lived in Hawaii, on the island of Kauai. He called me and said, hey, Bo, how you doing? I said, oh, no, it's not great. He goes, hey, you want to you wanna come to Hawaii? And, and if you ever want to live out here, you know, I'll, I'll pay the ticket. Guess what I thought when he said that? <laughs> Now, not, not only was I a surfer guy and liked to surf and everything like that, Hawaii was, you know, a pleasurable place, you know, to go. But you know what? I just got done seeking the Lord. And I told the Lord, man, however it's going to happen, however I can put this thing to death, however it's going to happen, open up a door for me. I don't know. Open up my eyes so I can see what you're doing. Because I'm blind, man. You know? And it was hard to tell Sylvia when we would hang out. It was hard to sit there and just tell her when she's right there in my room to tell her, you know what, I'm not the man you need. That was a tough thing to do as a teenager. It was so tough when she's right there. And I knew I had to get away. So I told Sylvia, I said, hey, Sylvia, I'm moving to Hawaii. I asked my professors, my music professors, if I could go, man. They were like, no, and I begged them, and they said, yeah. And I took a semester off, and I told Sylvia, I'm going to go to Hawaii. And, she, and I was like, you know what, let's just, you know, right now I'm just telling you, let's break it up. We're, we broke, you know, we're done, you know, okay? You can go your route, I'll go my route. You know, you're cool, I'm cool, right on, you know? But, you know, because I knew I had to put it to death. You know, and she didn't go, oh, right on. Right on, you're going to put it to death. That's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? When the object of my death was her, <laughs> you, know, the de- you know, and uh, of the lust that was in my heart and the areas of not o- being obedient to God, you know, was in my heart. You know, she was becoming the treasure, you know. And I left, and I remember getting on the plane, and she was there, and she's crying, and you know, she was bummed, man, I was going, and, and I just remember just saying, knowing that the Lord is with me, man. You know, put it down, Bo, put it down. You know, Lord, give me the strength to, to lay it down. Now, has God blessed us since then? How many years have we almost been married? Fifteen years. And it, and it has been, let me tell you, it's been a glorious 15 years. It's been awesome. It's been absolutely awesome. Now, when I left on that plane, was my motivation to get back with Sylvia? 
What was my motivation when I got on that plane? What? To serve? To draw closer to God? To put to death lust? You know what I mean? It was all that, you know? And Jesus has wonderful promises in the Bible, man. He said, he who comes to me, will I not give him a hundredfold? Meaning, will he not give you a hundred more than what you have? Now let me ask you, do you trust him? Do you trust that Jesus, you know, has joy in giving you everything you need? And it says that. It says that, man, God has joy in giving gifts to us. Man, that's cool. God not only loves me, but he loves giving me stuff. And he loves not only giving me stuff, but giving me everything I need, a hundred plus. And he's and what happened was I was on that island for six months. And when I was on that island, man, I just sought the Lord in that time. And the Lord spoke to me. You go back and, and you talk to Sylvia and you say it like this. And God spoke to me as I asked, as I knocked, as I sought the Lord. God spoke to me as I asked, sought the Lord. If you don't hear, if you don't know what God's telling you, it's probably because you're not asking, you're not seeking, you're not knocking. But as I was doing those things on that island, plus surfing, <laughs> plus getting in a little surfing there, you know, God said, go back and get with her. And I did. I got back and got, sat with her. I don't mean get with her as in boyfriend-girlfriend. That wasn't the thing at all. Just, just talk to her. I sat down with her and I said, Sylvia, if you want to hang out with me, then we're going to serve the Lord. I think I was how I was 19. I was 20. I said, yeah, when I probably was, uh, yeah, I think I, just, I think I was just turning 20. I said, if you want to, you know, hang with me, then we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do what the Word says. But if you don't want to, if you don't want the Lord, I said, that's okay. I said, it's okay. It just means that God's not in this. That's all it means, is that the Lord is not in this. And whatever, you know, if the Lord's not in this, then I don't want any part of it. I don't want no part of it. See, I put it to death, man. Jesus became my treasure again. And it wasn't like, oh, man, I put it to death. This is a bummer. Man, seeking my treasure is a drag. Why do I got to pray? Man, Bible study such a bummer. Man, church again. Does that sound like what we read at the beginning about seeking the treasure? It says with joy he sold it all. With joy he sold it all for the Lord, man. That's right. When you, when you have Jesus, it's a trade up, man. You're always going up. You know what I mean? I never gave up anything. I always just traded up to my treasure. Does that make sense? I didn't give up. I traded up with Jesus. You know, So I hope you guys understand that passage because I really want you to understand that. It tells us to put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to our earthly na- nature, sexual immorality, lust, greed, and, and, and that kind of thing, lustful greed and things like that. Put it to death, man. Again, if you're in a relationship and that's your treasure, put it to death, man. Put it to death with joy. I mean, just put the thing to death and just go, man, Lord... Man, I'm seeking you all the way. 
And don't put it to death like, oh, man, I'm putting it to death. Oh, mom. You know what I mean? Totally bummed. Uh, no way. Trade up to Jesus, you know. That's the idea there. Um, so idolatry. We learn that you know, sexual immorality, impurity is idolatry. It's worshiping other gods. It's having another treasure in your life other than Jesus Christ. Do you guys all understand that? Okay. You guys understand that? Having impurity, lustful thoughts in your life, viewing lustful things in your life, where in the book of Ezekiel it says, put away those vile images from your eyes. Put them away. You know? Yeah, it's pretty strong. But I hope you guys understand that, you know, that is idolatry. If we look on the internet and we see things, if we have a relationship that we're in that we think that that's the best thing ever, you know, and this is just the greatest and everything like that, it's probably become an idol in your life. And, you know, man, I tell you, it ain't going to be a good idol. I mean, it ain't going to help you out in your life for long. It'll make your life an absolute wreck. There's no doubt. Idols, man, they're no good. After a while of serving an idol, your life will be an absolute wreck. And so, and I've done a lot of idol worship. Not only sex and pornography and and whether it was crystal meth, marijuana, cocaine, they were all idols in my life. Friends, major idol in my life. Friends were major idols. One of the passages I want you guys to go to now is Isaiah chapter 30. It's just an incredible passage. I wish I could do a whole teaching just on the chapter. But... Um, in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18, there's a wonderful passage that says, God longs to be gracious to you. And um, the question that I want to kind of ask right now, and we'll answer with this, with this chapter, is does God restore when we have given ourselves over to idols? Does God restore? And what I mean by restore is does he, does he um, bring you back into a right relationship with him? Because you know, it's no fun to, I mean, it would be a bummer, man, if God didn't restore us, right? Wouldn't that be a bummer if it was like one strike, you're out? And that would be a drag. <laughs> one strike, you're out, man. You blew it, you're done. Out of here, bye. You know, that would be a really drag. God is a God of restoration. And in Isaiah chapter 30, it says, um, <clears throat> start at verse 1, Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine. Whoa, okay. So we're talking about people that don't do the will of God. Isaiah 30, verse 1. It's talking about people who don't do the will of God. In our situation, we're talking about purity. Okay? Now it talks about these people, and look at verse 9. It says, These are rebellious people, deceitful children, unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. Man, they are unwilling to listen to God at all. Man, these people are hard-hearted. And I've been there before where it's like, man, God, I don't want to hear you right now. God's saying, oh, hello. You know, and you're like, God, get away from me right now. I'm going to enter into sin, and I think it's going to be great. And I'm going after some other idol. Because sin is what? What does it say about sin in the Bible? It says it's a passing pleasure. The passing pleasure. Sin can be kind of fun for a time, right? That's right. When you get angry and you're like, and then you finally say, Whoa! 
kind of feels good, huh? You kind of walk away going, got that off my chest, you know? But then after, you kind of go, hmm, that was a drag. You know, I just disobeyed the Lord. You know, there's a passing pleasure when it comes to sexual sin, right? Right? If, if sex was bad, no one would do it. You guys understand that, right? Do you guys understand that? You guys are like... <laughs> it's a passing pleasure. Okay? And when you worship it, it's pleasurable for a moment. Okay? And we're going to talk a little bit about that, okay? And again, if, I, if this is getting a little crazy, for especially the younger folk, it's okay if you step out. You ain't going to offend me at all. Okay? Now, it says that these people are rebellious in verse 9. They're deceitful and they're unwilling to listen. And then in verse 12, it says, Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says, because you have rejected this message and you've relied on oppression and depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall. So many times in purity, sexual sin is something that's done in secret. It's something that is done under the cover of darkness. Um, usually when uh, a woman and a man as teenagers are dating one another, um, they usually, when they fall into sexual impurity, it's not out in the open. Right? Right? Okay. When someone's involved with pornography and they view pornography on the Internet, that's usually not with their parents hanging out in the room, right? Right. How many of you guys have computers in your room? Okay, a few of you. You know, there's areas where, you know, usually sexual sin is something that's it's deceitful. It's something that's done in darkness. Now, in verse 18, I've already quoted this, but it says, Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait on him. So is God a God of uh, compassion? Okay, he has compassion. Is God a God of grace? Oh, yeah. He absolutely is. And then it goes into this section in this, in this verse 19 part. It says, O people of Zion or Jerusalem who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer. Isn't that beautiful? As soon as you turn to God, man, what does God do? Bam, he's right there. I mean, there ain't no delay <laughs> or anything like that with the Lord. He's right there. You know, he's right there to pick you up. And it says in verse 23, it's great. Um, it says, he will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground, like for a farmer. You know, he'll send the rain. And the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. And that day your cattle will uh, graze in broad meadows. The oxen and donkeys will work the soil. Now, we don't have oxen and donkeys and all that right now. <laughs> but, uh, but what God's saying is that, you know what, I am going to bless you, again, a hundredfold. I will give you a hundred times what you had before. You're going to get, you know, come to me and I will just lavish so much blessing on you, you won't even know where to begin to talk about it. And that's a lot of times how I feel, what me and Sylvia both feel when people say, man, how did you get like this? How did your life get like this? And we just go, man, I don't know. I mean, it was just trust, asking, seeking, knocking. And man, the Lord just went... And started dumping. Just started blessing. Because God's a God of joy and he loves to bless. 
And they're, and they're not they're not just, I mean, God blesses, sure, materially he can bless, but man, I tell you what, the blessing really, which is awesome and a hundredfold, is the one in here. It's the one of having joy in life and peace in life. You know, you can have a billion dollars like Bill Gates, right? Wouldn't that be cool? Billion bucks, man, you can build whatever you want. But if you didn't have a joy in here, how good would it be? How good would it be? You'd buy yourself something, give you a little pleasure, huh? Sin is passing, has passing pleasure. You have a little bit of sin, but then after that, you'd be like, oh, that's a bummer. Okay. Got to do something else, right? Got to do something else. Got to go somewhere else. See, even if you're Bill Gates and you don't have everlasting joy in your life, man, what a drag. You know, and God promises that with these. So the question is, is does God restore? The answer is what? Absolutely. These people were deceitful. They were rebellious. They were totally in sin. And man, God said, but I long to be gracious to you. And as they cried out to the Lord, man, the Lord was right there. Um, the other question I want to raise to you guys is how does God restore? And with that, I want you just to see a passage in the book of Titus. If you guys can flip there. And then after this, we're going to do just a quick stretch, okay? Is that okay? We're going to go to Titus, and then we're going to stretch. Do some jumping jacks. Verse 11 of, of Titus says this, for it's the grace of God that brings uh, salvation, or the grace of God that has brought salvation teaches us. Okay, so grace does a teaching to us. It teaches us to abstain from worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in the present age. What teaches someone to live without lust? What is God, how does God restore? What does he use? What's the tool that he uses in this passage to restore people? It is, it says, for it is the blank of God that teaches us to say no to worldly lust. What is it? It says, for the... Grace. There you guys go. For the grace of God, okay? The grace of God teaches us to say no to worldly lust, okay? Grace, how, how, what's your guys' definition of grace? Does anybody, anybody have a definition of grace? Yeah. Mercy, compassion, sympathy at times like, you know, I know how you feel, and I can't do that, and I can't Right on. That's grace. That's absolute grace. Has anybody heard like grace is uh, Christ, uh, uh, God's riches at Christ's expense? Has anybody heard that acronym? God, has it, you've heard that before? A lot of people have heard that. God's grace that you didn't de- deserve salvation, right? You've heard that before. I'm sure Robert's taught that a billion times. You don't deserve salvation, but it, it is a gift of God. It is God's Grace. It is God's grace. It is his gift. His gift of salvation. You guys, if you have salvation in this house today, it is, you cannot, it, it is unmerited. You did not do anything for it. It is a gift of God. God, by his gift and his sovereignty, has opened up your eyes to the treasure. He has opened up your eyes to the treasure. Man, you guys are stoked, right? He's opened up your eyes to the treasure. Man, you're no longer blind. You were once blind, but now you see. Grace, it is a gift from God. 
Now, I want you to see this. It's grace is not only a gift at salvation, but grace also empowers you to walk a godly life. It is a gift from God that empowers me to stay away from pornography. It is a gift from God that has me stay away from anything impure. That is a gift from God. I can't say, I, I'm not into pornography because I do this and that and this and that. Or, hey, I don't, I'm not involved with any lust anymore because I do done, nah, 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 and I have these little rules, and I show you the rules, and you guys look at it and go, hey, follow the rules, and there it is. It is a gift from God. Jesus said, ask and you shall. Seek and you shall. Knock and the door will be. That's right. You have not because you. That's right. If you want it, ask for it. You know, Jesus said, right, you know, he said to his disciples, until now you have asked nothing in my name. He says, ask in my name and you will receive it, that your joy may be complete, that you may have joy, wonderful pleasure and joy in Jesus Christ. Isn't that cool? Ask. Seek it. Seek that gift to keep your mind pure. Seek the gift you know, to walk in a pure way. You know, you got to seek that. you got to want that. Jesus isn't just going to go, bam! You know what I mean? You'll be like, okay, there it is. You know, he says, seek. So how does God restore? You guys remember? How does he restore? Which is a? That's right, it's a gift. How do you get it? Ask, seek, knock. That's right. Is God joyful to give? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, grace not only forgives us our sins, but it empowers us to walk a godly walk. Okay, now I want to read something. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but I'm going to turn there because I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 5, and this is a convicting passage, so get ready for a little conviction. You guys ready? A little conviction? Ready to just take it in? Everybody just get ready for the blow to the chest. You know, I'm, I'm getting ready to punch you one right now. I'm going to hit you guys really hard. You guys ready? Tighten the muscles. This is what a Christian is, guys. And if I say anything different, I'm lying. Okay? And I'd be absolutely false prophet. Kick me out of here right now. Be imitators of God. God is pure, therefore we should walk in purity. Okay? Anything other than walking in purity is considered idolatry. That's right. Okay. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us. You guys do that, right? You guys are imitators of God. How many Christians in, are here tonight? And out of you that raised your hand, how many of you guys say, you can say to your friend, imitate me. Imitate me in my walk with Christ. Do what I'm doing. I mean, could you say that to your friends? Do what I'm doing. I'm walking with the Lord. He's my treasure. Follow my lead. I'll show you guys how to do it. That's, that's already we're starting to get, already even me, I'm like, oh, do I have to teach this? <laughs> um, and then it says, it says, just as Christ loved us in verse 2, and he gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. 
But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. God's people, God is holy. God's people who he's cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ are holy. The spirit that resides in me is now called, or is the, you guys are getting it, right? A lot of holiness going on, huh? When you think of holiness, think of wholeness, completeness, wholeness. God is whole. He has made me whole. My walk should be one that's whole. Does that make some kind of sense? Okay. There should not be any hint of sexual immorality. It says, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, foolish talk, coarse joking, guys. What do you guys think of that? I mean, I know how guys are. Guys are coarse, rough. Man, dude. Yeah, look at you guys. You're like, man, we are guilty right now. I'm shit. I'm shrinking right now. Dude. I'm going down in my chair. That's right, coarse joking. It says, which are out of place, but rather it says we should be thanks, have a heart of thanksgiving. Now, for this is where it gets real convicting. This is where the blow is right here. For this you can be sure of. Do you think Paul's wanting to get a point across here? Yeah. This you can be sure of. No immoral person or greedy person that says such a man is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Did you get that? <laughs> that heavy? No immoral, impure or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom. None. Wow. That's kind of intense, huh? You know, it makes me kind of go, wow. You mean, and, and, and Paul goes on to stress this by saying in verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. He says, because of such things, God's wrath is coming upon all those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Do not be partners with them. If you are partners with those who practice impurity, what does it say about you? One of the hardest things for me was when I got saved. And um, when I came to Christ, I had friends that I grew up with. And the hardest thing, one of the hardest things was to separate myself from those friends. I had to get to a place where I loved my treasure so much, where I sought my treasure with everything, that now I could finally go to my friends and say, you know what, it's not you that you're, not, you're no longer an idol in my life. You're no longer the thing I worship. You're not running my life anymore. Christ is. And I'm going to follow the Lord. See, I wasn't much help as a Christian if I was hanging out with my friends, cussing with them, and smoking dope with them. Was I helping them much? Nah. That's idolatry. And there's no place in heaven for that. Don't ever think that, that God is unholy and that he can dwell with unholiness. The book of Habakkuk says your eyes are too pure to look upon impurity. Your eyes are too pure 
God is a whole God. And the reason why I bring this up is because I don't want you to presume upon grace. And what I mean by this is this. I don't want you to think that, hey, God's gracious, man. Robert told me about it. God's gracious. God is so gracious. God's so gracious. Right on. Walk out of here. And then you can go and just sin up a storm. You can go and just, man, go hang out, get, you know, talk to your friends, and course joking, course jesting, that you can put down the phone, you can get online, you can look at something, you write on, you can go and get involved with a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, and you have no conviction in your heart that you have now just sinned against a whole God. And if you can do that, if you can do that, then you need to really say, God, am I putting you as my treasure? Or am I involved with idolatry? And you have no part. Now that's, that's the uppercut. Do you guys feel it? That's the punch. I just threw it. You know, that's the punch to the thing. You can't just look at grace, okay? The idea in the church of grace and just say, God is gracious, therefore... He's, I'm forgiven. Man, I'm totally clean. I'm going to go sin up a storm. I'm going to go and just absolutely, you know, not even care. Just go sin. Now, if you care and you're in this room and you've stumbled in impurity and you care and your heart is grieved, we're going to talk about this a little bit, then right on. That's a good sign. That's a sign that, man, the Lord's in your life. But if you have just, man... You just said, hey, you know what? You practiced it, and you're just like, hey, no, I haven't felt any conviction. I didn't think it was that wrong. It was, then you know what? You probably aren't saved. And at that point, if, you, if, if you're at that point where you're like, man, I probably don't know Christ. He's not my treasure. Then you know what I'd suggest to you? Ask, seek, knock. You have not because you ask not. Okay. Now, I want to show you what grace looks like in a life and dealing with impurity. And I'm sorry, I know I'm going long, and, um, but um, that's what I do best. <laughs> um, but this is what gifts of God look like. This is what grace looks like, okay? From a biblical perspective, this is what grace looks like. You guys all with me? Grace is a gift. It's a gift that's given, but this is what it looks like in dealing with sexual impurity. And I'm going to go just through five things with you guys. One of them is... God gets all the glory. Psalm 115.1 says, Not unto us, but to your name be the glory. Have you guys heard that song? Not unto us, to your name be the glory. No, okay. <laughs> it's a passion song. It's pretty popular. But Psalm 115.1, Not to us, but to your name be the glory. All the glory goes to God. 2 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whatever you eat or drink, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, and do it to give glory to God. Whatever you do, eating, drinking, whatever you do, do to the glory of God. Now, what that means is God's grace, his gift, okay, to keep us out of impurity, it's going to look like this, meaning your motivation to be whole, to be holy, as he is holy, is going to be always the glory of God. And I know this is kind of deep. I'm kind of running underground here. I'm kind of going underground, okay? This isn't top 40. This isn't played on the radio stuff. We're going right underground. 
Okay, this is called me. Okay, but God's gift, it looks like this, and that is, it is a gift of grace that leads you to give glory to God, not to you. Not to you. And what this looks like is this. I'm caught in sin. I'm caught in impurity. It doesn't look like this. Man, I'm afraid someone's going to find out. I've totally blown it. I've totally messed up. Now what do I do in my life? Man, I I can't talk to anybody. What should I do? What's the concern? What am I concerned about? What's the motivation? That's called idolatry. That's called worshiping who? That's right, worshiping me. Now, if it's truly of God, if it's grace, it's going to look like this. You're going to be crying. And you'll be like, Lord, I have sinned against you. One of the commandments is you shall not take the Lord's God name in. Do you think that means cussing? Do you know what that means? It means if you do something that dishonors the name of God, if you do not act in a way that is an imitator of God, what did Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 say? Be imitators of who? If you take the Lord God's name in vain, that means you represent God, and by your disobedience, whose name has you, have you hindered? Whose name have you, have you trampled on? God's. He's your Father. You have trampled on God's holy name. Instead of being an example to the world and those that are going to hell of the grace and the mercy of God and the gift of God in a whole life, now what have we done? We've trampled on God's name. Oh, man, my concern now is for who? You see the difference there? Now, how many of you guys have totally been bummed at you? Huh, but man, dude, I'm totally sorry. I'm so sorry. And in your head, are you sorry for breaking God's law? No. I've done that a billion times. I can't even tell you how many times I've done that, where I've only thought about me when I've sinned. God's grace, his gift of purity, it always has that idea of the motivation for change is God's glory. God's name, not wanting, to, not wanting to give God a bad rap in the world. You guys got that? Second thing. Okay, first thing is glory to God. That's what God's grace looks like in restoring purity, lost purity. It's always going to look like your motivation is going to be you've offended God. The second thing is this. It's going to be repentance. Turning away from sin, turning towards God. Repentance in 2 Corinthians chapter or 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 25 it talks about repentance as being a gift from God. It's a part of grace, meaning if I'm bummed over my sin, I am going to seek repentance. God, give me a heart of change. You're going to seek that. God, give me a heart for it. And repentance has a grief with it. Again, it has a grief that is not self-centered. It's one that you're sorry that you, man, that you sinned against God. But I want you to understand that repentance is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't muster it up. If you, if you enter into impurity and 
Sexual sin, you can't just go, I'm going to repent. You have to seek it. Seek and you shall ask, knock. You have not because you... That's right. You have to seek it. It's a gift. Perhaps God will grant them repentance. That's what Paul says. Perhaps God will grant them repentance. God is sovereign. He's over everything. Seek him. Seek repentance. God, give me a heart for repentance. And guess what God will do? He'll give you a heart for repentance, a heart for change. Does anybody here have ever had a heart for change for God? Has anybody ever said, man, I have a heart for change for God, man? That's probably because you sought it out. You sought out the Lord. You know, and he's given you that heart of repentance. So, dealing with impurity, how does God restore it? By grace. One of them is by, we see it in your life through giving glory to God. One of them is through true biblical repentance, which is a gift from God to repent. And now the third thing is confession. This is a tough one, guys. This is another uppercut right here. I'm sorry, but I'm going to throw it. Okay? Yeah, please put up your, your dukes. But confession, and I've already said this, but sin thrives in the darkness, but light kills. Okay? Light kills it. Sin thrives in the darkness. But light, the light of Christ, kills that thing. You've got to bring that sin into the light. That is impossible to do unless it's a gift from God. You have to seek it, ask for it, knock. You have to seek it with all your heart. Confession is something that the psalmist wrote. He said, he brought them out of the darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Did you, understand? Did you hear that? He brought them out of the darkness and the deepest gloom and he broke away their chains. Psalm 107, verse 14. The Bible tells us to confess our sins in John 1, 9, not only to God. Or in that passage, it says to God. How many people have heard that? If we've sinned, we can confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You guys have heard that, right? John 1, 9. That's a popular passage. But then there's one that's not so popular. The book of James, chapter 5, verse 16. Ooh, that's a tough one. That one says, confess your sins to one another, man. Oh, man, James, why you got to be so hardcore? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> confessing to God, you know, that's not too bad. You know, but confessing to one another. Oh, man, bringing it into the light. It was tough, you know, when I had to go to my wife and I had to say, you know, honey, I'm struggling in this area of my life. You know, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Sorry, you know. You know, I mean, there, I mean, that was a tough part. And, man, it didn't want to come out. It wanted to come out in so many different ways. And being a pastor, you know how to talk. You know, God's given you that gift of talk, you know. But you guys have had that experience, right? Where you know you've blown it, but you wanted to what? Hide it, right? You wanted to hide the sin. But God says, in his grace, how you know that he's given you the grace to walk in wholeness is that you'll see it in your life through confessing it to someone who's a spiritual leader, you know, someone who's mature. I'm not saying, I don't want you to confess it to like, you know, just walk up to someone and say, hey man, I just, you know, the Bible says to confess, you're on the street, you're wanting a little money from me, uh, you know, 
you know, I just want to tell you that I'm involved with some crazy stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean? That guy on the side, you know, on the corner would probably say, hey, I am too, bro, let's sit down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, that's not what it's talking about. But it's saying, get with one of the leaders. Someone who, you know, who's spiritually mature. Get with them and confide in them. Say, hey, you know what? This is what I'm struggling with. I'm struggling with this. Let's bring it into the light. You know, it says those who are in Jesus, man, they come into the light. Jesus is the blank of the world. And it says men loved darkness. Right? Don't we like darkness? Isn't it nice when it gets nighttime? Huh, we can get on the the TV, cable channels, you know? Start flipping through at one in the morning. No one's around. You know, the couch is on. Put it on something. (laughs) Look at that. You know, and... Dude, pretty soon you're at impurity, right? Pretty soon there's something that's impure on that TV show. Something you're watching, man, that has impurity all over it, but no one's around. No one's around. We like darkness, but God says his grace, his wonderful gift, is to bring it into the light. So the third thing is confession. Bringing that thing into the light. Sin thrives in the darkness. You want to kill sin in your life? Just confess it. You confess it, you pretty much have taken the blow out of that sin. You guys understand that? Sin's going to thrive in the darkness. It's always going to want to be deceitful and secretive. So just confess it, and man, you'll find that you'll feel much better. You'll be like, wow, I feel so much better. You know. Now the fourth thing is desiring the word. How do you know that true that you're, you're, you're truly uh, walking in wholeness and, and that's been given to you as a gift of God, something you've sought. How do you know it? It's because you desire the Word. John chapter 4 is a whole chapter. You guys should read it, but it's all about a woman who has a ton of men in her life. She got a, he got a, lot, she got a ton of men. She's digging the scene of men. She just loves men. And Jesus says, man, you're drinking from a well that ain't going to satisfy you. And that's what Jesus says. You're drinking from a well that is never going to satisfy you. The relationship well, you drink of that well, boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, where do you guys get that anyway? Where do you get that you should have a boyfriend or girlfriend? Where do you get that? Where do you get that? Let's, let's just think about it real quick. Just your, use our brains. Where do we get it? 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 Okay. Companionship. Absolutely. But you touched on something. You said we, we get it from the world. Now, I want you to think of this. Where do we get boyfriend, girlfriend? We get it from other other boyfriend, girlfriends. That was, that's my point. That's my point exactly. Is where, where did I get in my life, where in the world did I think when I was in elementary school I needed to have a steady girlfriend? Now, I'm not even joking with you. I, I, I grew up sick in the brain. I've already told you a little bit about my background. I had steady girlfriend in elementary school. Now, I, was already, uh, I already was a pot smoker by that time. I was around that my whole life. I already, like I told you, viewed a lot of stuff. And so I, I was a little kid, like, hey, girl, what's happening? <laughs> my Mickey Mouse voice and everything. <laughs> you know, you want to go on a date? 
I mean, just crazy stuff. I mean, what was I thinking? You know, as I got older, you know, you're supposed to have a girlfriend. You're supposed to because what? You're supposed to because other people had it. Other every, people I saw on TV had a boyfriend girlfriend. I mean, so what I'm saying is this: boyfriend girlfriend is that from this? Whoop! There, there's that. Is that from this? No. Okay. Boyfriend girlfriend is not from the Bible. Okay, that's not from the Bible. When you talk about having a boyfriend, having a girlfriend, already you're on a non-biblical. We're talking non-Bible right now. Okay. The only reason you get that is because it's Jesus called it this, the blind leading the blind. Okay? And would you follow a man or a woman that was blind into a field of a ton of ditches? Not unless they had a dog with them. And they had, you know what I mean? That knew what was going down. You know what I mean? But if you just were to say, hey, you go and I'm going to follow you, okay? Is that going to be a rough trip? You ain't going to get far, are you? It's the, and that's what Jesus said. It's the blind leading the blind. Man, you just do it. Isn't that crazy how brainwashed we are? We are absolutely brainwashed. How many people do we know that have good boyfriend-girlfriend relationships as teenagers? You know someone? Really? Bring them to me. Let's talk. We'll talk to them. I'll talk to them. What's their names? Yeah, do you have their number so I can contact them at all? <laughs> my, my point is this. There's not many. I don't know. Now, me personally, I knew of none. Absolutely none. None. In all my high school, and I went to a high school of around 1,500 people. I didn't know of Christian, Mormon, Jehovah Witness, Catholic. I didn't see one relationship that I thought was good, that I would deem good. I didn't see one. I saw Christian girls going, man, that guy's awesome, that guy's cute, or they boyfriend, girlfriend, they're smooching around. You know, that's nothing pure about that. Nothing pure about that. You get that from the world. That's called brainwash. Okay? If you ever go, hey, I wonder if I'm brainwashed. <laughs> you are. <laughs> that's right. That's why the Bible tells us to renew our... That's right, man, our minds. We need to renew this thing. I was brainwashed for a long time, and boy, man, I tell you, it's great to be free from that. So... The idea is desiring the well. This, this woman was just involved with the relationships, desiring the pure well of Jesus. And Jesus tells her that, hey, I'm the only thing that's going to satisfy you. Psalm 119.104 is a cool passage I've memorized. It says, um, I delight in your precepts. Um, or Actually, it doesn't say that. It says, I gain understanding from your precepts. Um, and that, Therefore, I hate every wrong path. And that means this, is I gain understanding from your word, and by that I hate every wrong path. What the word does, and what, what, when God gives you the grace to be whole and come out of impurity, there's going to be a desire for the word that is so strong that you're going to hate every wrong path that does not lead you 
to drinking of the water that will satisfy, which is Jesus. It ain't going to give you like, oh, yeah, I, don't, I just don't like that no more. No, it's going to say, man, I hate that. Dude, I hate that sin. We've always heard, you know, hate the sin, love the Absolutely. And that's good. We love people. But you know what? I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. Psalm 119, 104. I hate every wrong path. Pornography ruined my family. I have three fathers. Two of them were involved with pornography. I can't sit here and tell you that, you know what, my childhood was awesome because my dad worked for the porn industry in San Fernando Valley. It was so great. Not only did I get to see porn all the time, but you know what was great is he committed adultery all the time on my mom. Wow, that, that's great. Is that great? No. I gain understanding from your word, therefore I hate every wrong path. If it's truly a work of God and grace in your life, you will have a desire for the word. Jesus is the word. You're going to desire that. That will be your treasure. The last thing, because I know the parents are out there and they're just like, man, this guy's talking a long time, um, is the last thing, and this is a big one too. I can do a whole service just on this, and I have. Um, spiritual amputation. This is a gnarly one. How do you know God's working in your life in a gracious way to keep you out of impurities? There is a cutting off of sin in your life, a radical one, something we call spiritual amputation. And if you had a boo-boo on your elbow from skateboarding and you fell and you hit it right here and you, man, messed up your elbow a little bit, it hurt. And you went to the doctor and the doctor said, you know what? We can cast that, you know, because you do have a break right here. But you know what we're going to do instead? And then someone came in with a chainsaw <laughs> and said, we're going to just chop the arm off. And it's going to be kind of cool. I mean, I'll numb it. You ain't going to feel a thing. But, you know, it's going to be kind of neat, kind of like a movie, you know, kind of thing. You know, and here we go. Dude, you'd be like, oh, wow. you'd be freaking out, right? You'd be running. I would. I mean, I'm an ice hockey guy. I play a lot of ice hockey and French Canadian. Man, I need my arm. I want my arm. You know what I mean? Don't be cutting the thing off. You know, not for that. Jesus says it this way. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Did you get that? Jesus is saying, what do you have to do with sin? Play with it a little bit? Uh, I think I'm going to, you know, I think I will talk to that guy a little bit. I think I will play with that, you know, that thing on the internet a little bit. Is that what Jesus said? Just play with it a little bit. No, what did he say? He said, gouge out your eye. Cut off your arm. Now, did he, was he talking literally? You guys know what that means? That's right. Hyperbole. That's the word. That's the, that's the kind of language he was speaking, meaning it's an, it's an exaggeration. Jesus said another thing that's pretty radical. Hate your mother and father. Did he say hate your mom and dad? No, but he was saying 
unless you hate your mother and father, you will in no way see the kingdom. And what he meant by that is this. Unless you seek me as your treasure above all things, even your own family, God is your maker. He is your creator. Do not put anything before him. Wow, is that radical? Jesus spoke that way all the time. So he says here, gouge out your eyeball. Cut off your arm. Meaning sin is so radical, it will mess up your life so bad. Has anybody had an alcoholic for a father? Dude, is that good? My dad was a major drinker. Praise God, he's been sober 26 years. But is that great? I mean, do you go, wow, how great. My dad's a, he drinks. Now, my dad drank and he beat my mom. So do I go, that's great. My dad beat my mom up. No way. I love your word, therefore I hate every wrong path. And what am I going to do to that sin that wants to ruin my life, just as it ruined my dad's life and it'll ruin billions of people's life in this world? What am I going to do with that sin? I am going to amputate it. And that means I'm going to do what to it? I'm going to cut it off. I am going to cut it off, man. And I'm going to have joy in cutting it off. I am going to have so much joy in taking this thing out. Don't go in it with a sour heart. That's not, that's not it. Go out it with joy. What did I do with my relationship with Syl? Amputated that thing. Just cut it off, right? I amputated that. Bam, done. I moved to Hawaii. That's called amputation. Do you guys get it? If you have friends, you've got to spiritually amputate. That's a gift of God. If you're having struggles with that, ask, seek, knock. You have not because you... That's right. You guys understand grace now a little more? Do you guys understand grace a little more? It empowers you to walk in holiness and purity. And it looks like that. Don't ever allow anything less than that to be defined as grace in your life. This is grace. 